Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So we've got a great show today. We're going to have a lot of fun, maybe at my own expense. But we've got Ann Tucker. She's the creator of Business Energetics and the Authentic Expression Test, transmitter of the Nine Angelic Frequency Series, and a channel for angelic wisdom. Her work is designed to help you see and understand your creative purpose and to express it through your work so that you can not only feel fulfilled, seen, and appreciated, but you can also unlock the success that you're capable of. Anne is helping to redefine business for a spiritual age. We're coming into the age of Aquarius, where the work we do becomes a conscious pathway to our own spiritual development. Her book, Undoubtedly Awesome, uses the authentic expression test to show you how to experience less doubt in your life. Anne, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So that's quite an introduction, but we're going to talk about something a little bit different today, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the seven different soul types and how that plays in in decision making. And, you know, when you I've heard of the different soul types for, for years and I've heard that, you know, it's different shapes of the face and there's so many different ways to come at it. Tell us how you come at it. Yeah, well, the way I look at it is I think about it from the perspective that we are all aspects of source energy, right? That we're all aspects of source and that source is creative. When you think about the creator, we're a creative, we're a creative power ourselves. And what that means is that when I look at our soul type, I'm looking at how we create in the world. And that always starts in the same place. That always starts with a decision that everything you do everything that you create in the world starts in the same place. It starts with the power of that single decision. So if I want to look at your soul type, if I want to understand who you are as a soul, I want to look at how it is that you specifically make decisions. And what's interesting is that a lot of us think that we all make decisions the same way because we're all in our own head. You know what I mean? We all think we do it the same way. But the truth is, is that each of us has our own specific way of making choices. And that's what determines your soul type. And the the shape of that decision, the shape of your thought patterns is what shapes what it is that you create. Well, you know, it's interesting because I come in everything from how the brain works. And the brain, there's research that shows the brain makes decisions before you even know it. That your brain makes up its mind up to 10 seconds before you realize it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the... they, it's actually super interesting that decisions, we think a lot of times that we make decisions with our head, but we actually make the, the moment of choice happens in the heart. And then your head goes back and rationalizes the choice. <laughs> so you might do all your research and that's certainly head, head oriented, right? That happens in the brain. You're thinking and understanding and, and evaluating and that all happens in the head. But the moment of choosing, the moment when you say, I like this one or I like that one is heart focused. And then after you make the choice, you go back and rationalize. And this was shown in the research of this guy, Antonio Damasio. He actually looked at a bunch of people who had the decision portion of their brain, uh, their the, the ability to choose was disabled. And what he found 
is that they were able to, to rationalize and to understand this one has these features and this one has those features, but they were completely ab unable to choose, that they literally couldn't decide if they wanted to buy a Big Mac, that, that without that one piece there, they couldn't do it. Well, you know, you're right, because we think our decisions are conscious, yeah. but there's so much data that shows that that consciousness, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's yeah. really what's going on on that subconscious level. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it makes it super interesting <laughs> that and that's one of the things I like to look at is that that there is certainly there's all the subconscious pressures and subconscious ideas that we have. But then the piece I look at is what is the pattern of our thought? And it's consistent from decision to decision to decision. And that pattern of thought is, I like to think of it as like, like think of like your creative energy, whatever it is you're going to do, is like Play-Doh coming down and you're channeling it through yourself. That you are like a Play-Doh fun factory. You know, those little, those little factories that... Uh, that you can push Play-Doh through and it extrudes out on the other side. You know what I'm talking about? You can make like a moon or stars or oh, yeah. hair. You know what I'm talking about? So, so that shape on the end that determines what it is you're going to create, that is your thought process. That's the thing that shapes it. And it, it has a huge impact in terms of where you come in in the whole creative process. What are you best at? What are you naturally going to want to create in the world? So it really opens things up in terms of self-understanding about what your natural strengths and powers are in the world. So, you know, when, you, when I think about making decisions, yeah. I mean, we all, we've all spent a lot of time thinking about how do we make good decisions? We have to understand our choices. You know, we have to know yeah. what, what our objectives are. And yeah. then we have to think about, we have to think about our personal values and yeah. weigh the pre. You know, I raised two boys, and every decision you take a line, draw it in the middle of the paper, write the pros <laughs> on one side yes. and the cons on the other. Yeah. But when you start th thinking about decisions about soul types, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's a different thought process. It really is. And I think it really helps to understand this would really help to guide, particularly for someone like, like you're talking about, you're trying to help your kids to make a choice, to understand that their process is going to be really, really different, potentially really different from yours. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's critical to know it because you want to be able to support them where they're at. Right. And their process is super important to what their gifts are, right. Their process helps to enable their gifts. So we want to respect it and encourage it, knowing both the strengths and the weaknesses of that process. So what's the first step? Yeah, so, so the first step is to understand your soul type. So we can actually do that for you now if we can use you as the guinea pig and talk about your soul type, if that sounds like fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right, great. <laughs> so, okay, so I'll just ask you a couple questions. And the first question is, in general, do you make decisions slower or faster than other people that you know? Um, faster. Faster. Perfect. And in general, would you say that if you are going to be uh, talking to a friend and telling them about the vacation that you just took, are you going to tell them the whole story, including how you felt and it affected you, or just the facts and details? I went here. I did this. Which one is it more you? Well, I think the story, because, you know, that's what makes it interesting is I felt like <laughs> this when this happened. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, to me, that's the beauty. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so that, great. So one last question, and you're going to love both of these, but you have to choose one. 
So between these two, which one resonates for you more? Do you most prefer um, uh, creating uh, your ideas? So this would be like making things, it could be physical things, or do you prefer communicating and influencing? That's that's a good question, you know, um, because I just started painting in 2020. I've never done that before. Yeah, yeah. But but I think that really, I'm more of a communicator. I'm more of a, you know, instead of me making something for you, I'll I'll give you an idea and I'll talk about it with you. Perfect. That's I, that sounds right to me, and that means that your soul type is what I would call an expressive soul. And so what that means for yourself is we can talk a little bit about what your, what your decision process looks like and about what that, what that enables for you in terms of your gifts. So as an expressive soul of all the soul types, you have the most direct connection between your, your heart and your mouth, <laughs> that you are the most heart centered in the sense that you feel your way to your answers. And most other soul types are much more up in their head for you. You feel your way to, do I like this? Do I like that? And and it, you're able to feel into, so say, for example, if you're in a room and you guys are considering something, you may be one of the first ones to have a point of view because of the fact that you work from the emotions and the emotions are faster than thought. So you may be the one that has immediately a point of view and is able to express it extremely eloquently and with power and with force. And you're able to feel into what other people feel. You're able to feel into where is the drama in this? What's exciting about it? What is going to fire people up? Because you're feeling, right? You're working from the heart. So you speak to that and you can be super influential and persuasive. Does this make sense for you? It does make sense. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it plays into what I do professionally because... It really does. It Very much. Even though, you know, you say the Brain Performance Center... Yeah. The brain, the brain works so much independently. I mean, every second that brain can take in 11 million bits of data. But yeah. the most that you can get on a conscious level is 40 to 126. I go with the 40. But, <laughs> but regardless, we don't have to do the math. Where does it right. all go? It all right. goes into your subconscious. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, it sure does. You're right. You're right. And in terms of what we're able to perceive, but so, so for you as an expressive, you know, you're going to be taking in all that information, but you're going to able, you're going to feel your way through it. You're not going to get distracted by all the detail and all the data you're going to be feeling into and saying, okay, here is the most compelling way through. And you're going to use story and you're going to use metaphor and you're going to be super compelling. And so what your decision process looks like is that you uh, as you're thinking about things, like I said, super heart centered, super heart focused, and you decide super, super fast. So you don't spend a whole lot of time on the front end of the decision making. You don't like to spend a lot of time in planning. And as a matter of fact, if you were to get distracted by a lot of planning, it starts to feel like you're losing your momentum. It starts to feel like we're not getting anywhere. And it can totally pull all of the energy because think about emotion. Emotion lives in the now. It lives in the present. And so if you spend all your time planning and thinking about the future, it just drains the energy out of it. Does that make sense for you? It does. It does. Yep. <laughs> and the potential downside can be there may be maybe times you've been called impulsive. There may be times where you make decisions very, very quickly and other people can't keep up. Right. So that could be true. That's very true. And there, there are times I've made decisions very quickly 
and in retrospect, thought, I wish I hadn't have done that quite so quickly. (laughs) Right, right. So it's super interesting to understand that the thing that gives you your gift, which is your heart connection, which is the ability to speak from the heart, gives you both your gifts, which is this ability to be influential and persuasive. And it also opens up your weaknesses, which is that sometimes you're going to make things decide things too quickly. So, so, and that's sort of the key when we're, when we're working with other people or we have people in our family, people we care about, understanding their soul type can be incredibly helpful in terms of knowing, you know, really how, how do we overlap with them? How do, how does our soul type interact with their soul type and how can we work together in a way that respects everybody's gifts? So is this something that you would recommend people do? As you know, if you're in a relationship and you you want to get you want to get married or take that relationship to an, a new level. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's incredibly helpful because the thing is, is that it's really hard for us to see other people really clearly. We always start with a model of ourselves. We understand ourselves first. But when it comes to decision making and thought process, it's not visible. You can't see it. And so we don't have really a great way of being able to analyze and say, oh, this is how this person is different. You can know kind of generally, you can say, oh, well, this person likes to do a lot of research first and I don't. But if you don't see the whole picture and you don't see why that's important for you, why you don't see, you don't see how it interacts with your style and what are all the, the, the blessings of that? What are, where's all the good in that? It can be, uh, there can be a lot of conflict around it, honestly. And if you understand this, like I've actually used this a lot in business coaching, And, uh, there's times when you'll have two people who are trying to work together and they just don't get along. They just don't see eye to eye and they don't, they really don't understand each other's perspective. One guy thinks the other guy is withholding information and is not sharing his plan. And the other guy thinks that the the first guy is just standing in his way and being, you know, being obstinate and what he doesn't understand is that the first guy isn't withholding his plan. He doesn't have a plan. (laughs) That's not how he works. And the second guy isn't being obstinate. He's trying to create a plan, right? They don't understand each other's perspective. So, so for sure, having that insight, understanding why the other person behaves the way that they do and what the benefits are can be hugely helpful. I would think that it would because, you know, we all want, I believe we all want the same thing. Yes, we, absolutely. We just don't know how to work together at times to get it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I think having that understanding of each other and understanding that there really is a a fundamental difference between people. And this 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 can work out in families. Right. You can end up within a family having major differences between different people and understanding each other and understanding everybody's role in that dynamic can be super interesting and super helpful. Well, let me ask you a question. So, yeah, you do use this in a business environment and yeah. you've got two colleagues that are have just for whatever reason they cannot yeah. make things happen. Do yeah. you do they have a support system that you pull in and that you involve in this process? You know that that it, you certainly can, but if it, the conflict is between two people, you don't need to. That the where the, where the support comes in is in uh, like a lot of times in a coaching situation, you'll do like a 360 interview where you talk to everybody around the person. And get more perspective on what they're doing. And that can really inform the discussion. But you don't need to do that for this to be super valuable. All you really need is there to figure out your soul type is a super simple survey. You literally figure out how the person makes choices. And that's all you have to do. 
And so the questions understand each other. Yeah. The questions that you ask me yeah. are are those the questions, or is it a little more complex? They, they, I do it like a decision tree, where depending on which answer you give, I go a different direction. So, so because of doing it that way, you only have to answer a few questions. But the questions are different for each person, depending on how they answer. How do people react to it? Oh, my gosh. It's, it can be hugely impactful. Uh, for some people, they end, this end, ends up giving them so much insight, it completely changes how they define themselves. So if they're doing personal branding work or trying to write their biography, you know, their bio, you know, their resume, that kind of stuff. It really helps them to see what it is that they're doing. Like, it's funny how, you know, we we know our strengths, but yet we don't really know our strengths. You know, we understand the ways that we are gifted, but we might not always understand them in the context of the bigger picture. And this is what this gives you. It gives you the broader perspective of what it is that you can do that seems so natural for you, but that other people can't. Well, you know, I think it's it's what seems natural to us is where we're our, our heart's going to lead us, and that's yeah. where we're comfortable. That's nine times out of ten, I'm going to my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's comfortable for you. But for say, for example, for another soul type, for a learning soul type, that's not going to be their comfort zone. That's going to make them really uncomfortable, as a matter of fact. And if you were to approach them with that kind of an approach they're going to back off right away and they're going to want to do their own research and spend their own time with it because they're going to feel like they can't trust your, your conclusions. So you've got, let's say you've got two people. Do you ever yeah. see that they have the same soul type and that they can't work together? Certainly because of the fact that, so soul type isn't personality. And so personality is a whole nother ball of wax, right? There's all kinds of stuff that come out in personality. And that's where you get into introverted, extroverted. Are they controlling? Are they not controlling? Right? There's all these personality factors that, that can, can, can come into play. But those are not really, really all we're looking at here is this one very, very focused thing, which is how do you think and create in the world? So it's a very, very specific lens. So within that, you could have somebody who thinks and creates the same way that you do, but their specific baggage does not align with yours, right? And you don't get along because of personality factors. So you could meet somebody who has the same soul type as you and you don't actually have that much in common. Like they could have totally different interests. You know, you could, as an expressive, you could say, okay, I love speaking and radio or I love books. And you could meet another person who's an expressive who's really into dance and they've never picked up a book and they're not at all interested in radio, you know? So it comes out differently for each of us. Well, and how do our personal values and our personal life experiences play in? Oh, hugely. Because I think of it as like, like your soul type is a tool. It's like a, it's like a hammer or a wrench. So, and you're going to use it on your specific life mission. But think of, of all the different ways you can use a hammer, right? You can do so many things with a hammer. It does so many different types of things. And it's the same thing with your soul type. So understanding it, it is... It gives you the lens and the insight into understanding your role in the greater picture of creation, understanding the value that you bring, but then you have to understand the value in the context that you live. So it's, it's taking that information and applying it to your specific life, and how are you expressing that energy? So I've heard that the term soul and spirit used interchangeably. What's yeah. the difference between the two? Oh my gosh, that's a big one. <laughs> 
and I do use them interchangeably. I do. I don't, I don't actually think like, like sometimes I'll refer to spirit as being something larger than us, but, but I, I do use those two words interchangeably. I'm not particularly, uh, I don't belong to any one specific faith, so I'm not super careful with my verbiage on that one. So, but they can very well be used interchangeably Yeah, and they, in some, some ways then they can mean the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's how I use it. I use them to mean the same thing. And I recognize there's going to be other faith traditions that, that see that differently, but that's, that's how I use it. That makes sense to me. So how did you get started with this? I mean, what, what made you start looking at people's soul types? Yeah, well, it started out, I was doing executive coaching. So I was working, um, uh, you know, with executives in a, in a professional environment. And we were, um, I was doing these, these, I was a consultant and I was working for a pretty large consulting firm. And my angle, my perspective was focused around decisions because I had started out my career as a negotiator for Microsoft way back when. And so this was kind of my way in, my way of understanding and adding value. And it was like, as I was looking at this and working with people, I was doing these 360 interviews I was telling you about where you talk to everybody around somebody. And I was always looking from this filter of perspective, this of, of decision-making. And that's when I started to see these patterns evolve. And I started to notice how people would make the same sort of choices. They would have the same sort of strengths, the same sort of weaknesses. And then it just became clearer and clearer. And, and it was like, the more I got into this, the more information came to me, it just came to me. And it was all, and the more, the more I tested it, the more rigorous it was. So I developed all of this while working within some of the largest corporations in the country. That's interesting. So when you got started with it, did you just kind of decide this was going to be your criteria? The, the criteria about in terms of decision-making? Yes. Yeah, it was it was my natural interest. You know, I was really interested in it because of the fact that I had this strong background in it. And I, you know, and I knew that having as much, I, you know, I had already had all this training on decision making. So being able to come in and talk about it, you know, it was something where I could stand on. I could stand on it strongly. And what I didn't expect was to see these patterns evolve and to see it all. And it took me like developing this. It's been 10 years in the making. So it was a process for, for real, <laughs> a process and, and testing it for, you know, confirming it over and over and over again and using it actively. And now it's very robust. Well, you know, the term old soul is yeah. something that, I mean, I've used that to describe one of my kids um, when he was growing up, he's an old soul. And because he was so patient and he was so, understanding which most two-year-olds aren't what does that term mean to you yeah oh for sure I mean I think I think um having an old soul I think it's it's like even as I talk about soul types I think there is a spectrum of development in terms of where somebody is like along that continuum how comfortable are they you know with using a particular energy how fluent are they? How fluid, right? How flexible are they? And these all play into this idea of, well, how much life experience do they have over over lifetimes, multiple lifetimes? And I think that's that's where the whole that's where it comes into play from my perspective. You talk about an old soul; it's somebody who has that perspective given over many lifetimes. So, what do you think about 
souls as they travel forward? I mean, do the so does the soul start to evolve at the moment of conception, or it does it start to evolve before that? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Um, I believe that that the soul is evolving continually, and that the the moment of conception is sort of part of the journey, and that we plan that we plan that the conception we plan that whole experience as part of the continuum of our journey. So I think most of us have been here many, many times before and that, that, you know, when you're born, it's part, it's certainly the whole birth process is a major, uh, you know, introduction in terms of our growth because the birth process itself can be really traumatic, right? It's a traumatic experience to be born. So I think, I think that it's all part of the growth process, a super important part of the growth process. As a matter of fact, in doing healing, you can look back and see there's so much healing that happens from that birth experience, from from those, you know, even in the womb, there's healing that has to happen from our experience in the womb. Well, you know, it's interesting because I had done a little bit of research a, a, a while ago about old souls, and I read somewhere, you know, they've been visiting and revisiting the world for thousands of years, and they come yeah, in different yeah. genders and different sex yeah. and different colors, and you know, they've just tried it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that, and I I know it's true from my own experience. I've had uh, multiple experiences of past lives in really interesting ways that blow my mind. And I, you know, I would, uh, you know, originally I wasn't like I said, I wasn't born into that tradition. It was all new to me, but there has been so much compelling evidence of it. And my own understanding of my, my whole, the whole soul process of growth is that, you know, we come every time we're born, it's an experience that we want to live and we've all been all sides. And I think that's an important, when you talk about people getting along, when we understand that we've all been all sides, that we've all played every role, that it really helps for us to have empathy for each other. It does. And that's one thing I think we need today. Yeah. More so than, than ever. And Isn't people- that true? You know, I've never thought about picking someone to spend my life with based yeah. on their soul type. I've just, yeah. you know, unfortunately, when we're when we're picking a, a new television or, or a new car, we're so analytical. We've got yeah. that left side of the brain kicking strong. But then when we start to think about, you know, emotions and falling in love, it's that right side of the brain. Yeah, starts kicking strong. And it's such a different decision making process. In a way it is, you know, we think of it because we think of like relationships as being from the heart. But that's what's so interesting to me. So my particular soul type, I'm a different soul type where my process is to fall in love with my ideas. That's the, the core of my process is about falling in love with the thing I'm working on. So my experience of buying a car or or choosing a project or whatever it might be is really similar to the experience of falling in love. Um, but for another soul type, it's going to be really different. They're going to be much more data oriented. It's going to have they're going to have a different energy around it. Um, but, but, but what I do know is that for all of us, no matter what our process is, that core moment of choosing where the way that we discern, do I like this or do I not like this? Which one do I like better? That's the big moment of choosing. And that comes from the heart. That's always from the heart. You just are lucky. You have that direct access to heart all the time. That's your, that's your way of being, you know? So it comes really naturally to you. We're getting ready to take a break, but I want to give you something to think about because, What if you pick your partner or your spouse 
and you find out that they're not the same soul type that you are and you start to see how that plays out and it worries you. So stay with us. We'll come back from break and we'll learn more about that. We'll be back after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. a recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. Right before break, you know, we were thinking, I was thinking, gee, you make these decisions and I've been married for a very long time. And what's it like for people that make those decisions? They pick a partner, they pick a spouse, and they learn very early on they don't make decisions the same way. They're not, maybe my spouse doesn't react from his heart. How does that work? <laughs> it can be fireworks, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, that can be really hard. So, yeah, and and the truth is, is that you know everybody is really comfortable in their own energy. Everybody's comfortable with their way of doing it, and this is where I think a lot of conflict comes from. Is that is that we all understand our way as working well, and and this is where it gets a little dicey. Is that is that you know your way of doing things. And you're comfortable with your way of doing things. And if you're a person who has experienced some success in your life, I, I almost think the more success you, you experience in your life, the more convinced you are that your way of doing things is the right way. <laughs> I agree and with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what ends up happening is that when you're interacting with your, you know, your spouse or your kids and they're doing it differently, you start feeling like, oh, no, I got to help them. I got to show them their way is the wrong way. They're, they're not going to be able to succeed that way because it's never worked for you. 
So we end up in this dynamic of, of seeking other people who do things in terms of, especially this happens in work environments, seeking people who do things the same way that we are, or in our, in our relationships and our family. And here's an interesting thing about at the end of the day, we are guided to our spouses and the people that we choose. Very, very often people end up marrying their, their opposite soul type, their soul type who has the opposite dynamic to what they do which I think is super interesting. And it's like, we need that. We need that energy to balance us out. And we, we seek it out, we find it. And then it triggers us, right? And it brings up all this junk, but it's, it's really helpful to us. But if, if people go into that open-eyed and understand why those differences are there and what they mean and how to work with them, it can make a lot more harmony in the relationship. So do you think that's the law of attraction? You know, I think that our marriages come from uh, so the important relationships like that. I think we agree on in advance before we get here that those are like contracts most of the time. I think that especially in, you know, where we're, if we are working on karma from past lives, we're going to have all those sort of major relationships. It's funny, like even as I talk to my own kids and they worry about like, you know, dating and all this kind of stuff. And I always tell them, don't sweat it because all that is already a, a plan. It's already agreed on. Like whoever you're supposed to be with is out there and it's chosen and they're waiting for you. <laughs> you can't escape it even if you tried. <laughs> but, but I, so I think it's, I think it's part of, and I think it's part of the reason there are opposites is yes, it balances us, but it also challenges us. So you mentioned past lives. Yeah. How did, yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, about, well, at, well, first of all, our soul type, I used to think when I first started working on this whole model of understanding soul types, I used to think we were given one soul type that we, we expressed lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And I've only in the last year or two come to understand that that's not true, that we live different soul types in different incarnations. So it's just like, which tool are you going to pick up and bring with you this time? So, so this time around, this is the one that's going to be most useful for you to accomplish your goals in this lifetime. But another lifetime, you would have been a different type. And so that, that was a new, a new understanding to me. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. So somebody that's just starting out and, and they've, they've decided that they're in a, a transition in life and they, yeah. they want to get married, they want to get a partner and they yeah. want to be sure that that it will be the marriage or the partnership. How do you how do you guide them? Wow. Well, you know, I think it's it's with anything. I think even in even in karmic relationships, we always have choice. And I think even in a situation where you enter into a relationship and you have a difficult go where you have karma, you have to work out that it, there is always choice involved and we always have the choice to choose each other. We always have the choice to grow through whatever circumstances we were put in and to become, to become a better version of ourselves or better to each other and to make a relationship work, right? That's always an option, even in a really hard situation. And, and I think that's where understanding each other, understanding these sort of the depth of the difference when it comes to soul types can come into play. So I think understanding where the other person is coming from and understanding how they differ from each, from us, from each other, you know, from, from yourself. Um, and, and why, why is it that you were thrown together? What role can you play for each other? How can it become a really positive thing? And this is what I see. What's really interesting working with this concept in a business context is that ideally the perfect team would be made up of all seven different soul types, right? That would be perfection. That would be all of a sudden you'd have everybody playing their own individual role. 
And uh, that rarely happens, but uh, but that would create true balance and true harmony. And, and, you know, everybody does have a specific role to play. And if, 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 even though it's not always pleasant and it can be, there can be a lot of conflict if we don't understand where, why other people behave the way that they do. And that's why I think in terms of understanding within relationships, why this can be so helpful is you can go a long way towards getting along with someone if you understand where they're coming from, if you can understand what they're feeling, if you can understand why they're so convicted that their way of doing it is right. <laughs> and if you can see it from their perspective and also honor yourself and honor your own way and know, yeah, that does, that it makes perfect sense for them, totally wrong for me. And here's why. I agree with that. I think that yeah. it's easier. It's always easier to accept differences if you understand yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So you're, I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering what soul type I'm, I'm married to. <laughs> <laughs> that is always the interesting question, isn't it? It so, is. Yeah, so let's let's figure it out. Let's take a look. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about your husband. So would you say in general, he makes decisions uh, uh, the same as you slower or faster? Um, he makes probably business decisions slower, personal yeah. decisions the same as me, Okay, but probably some slower in there. Yeah. Okay, great. And the second question is in general, um, would you say that he is more um, uh, open when he when he's meeting that friend and talking about what he's been doing? Is he more open about the the emotional experience of it, or is he more focused on the facts and the details? Oh, facts and details. Facts and details. And is he? Would you say um, uh, between these two, which one would you say is most appealing to him? And would you say so? Is he is he in general very very interested in facts and details? He does like data. He does data. like data. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And would you say that he, between these two, which one would you say he responds to most? Which one lights him up the most? Would you say it would be working with people one-on-one -on -one or working with people in a group? Hmm. That's a hard question. Um, he loves to mentor and he does that extremely well. So I would mm -hmm. say one-on-one. One-on-one. -on -one. Okay. All right. So, so your husband, big, depending, because some of those questions are a little bit sketchy, I'm going to say he's going to be somewhere between either a learning soul or a collaborative soul. I call it collaborative soul. So let's start with um, learning soul. Would you say that the thing that, that drives him most is to, to the, the love of learning and the love of teaching others, learning specifically? Does he love to learn things? Well, he likes to learn, but when you said collaborative, that, that felt more like a fit? That feels like him he collaborates okay. he works for the good of all all he, right yeah that's him okay so then that definitely is him so his soul type i uh, just wanted to confirm it because this is it's all you know that the, the infra we're only as good as the information we put in right and the collaborative soul is is all about that. They are all about working for the greater good. Um, their motivation, they're trying to raise all boats in the rising tide. They want to find solutions that are for the greater good. Um, and they're, um, they're, when I think about their energy, they're, they're, they're striving all the time. They push themselves very, very hard. They're always reaching up, trying to, trying to move themselves higher, but they're also constantly reaching down, trying to pull everybody else up with them. So they, um, they really do care about 
um, sort of their fellow man, right? They want to bring everybody along with them. And, uh, and their role is in terms of, of the way I think of it is like in the process of creation, when you think about, uh, like, like when a, when a seed sprouts and a seed sprouts and it rises up above the ground and when it first opens its leaf and it leaves and it takes that first breath of air and it begins to exchange the breath exchange where it breathes out, right? Carbon dioxide or, or breathes out oxygen and breathes in the carbon dioxide and that breath, that exchange, that is collaborative energy. It's that giving and receiving of breath and drawing in that community and awareness and attention. It draws in all those things, but it happens through giving and then receiving in return. And that's the energy of the collaborative. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. So what this might look like in your husband's life is he might be he might be really involved in, like I said, you know, groups and community. He's probably I mean, actively helping other people with things. Like you said, he loves to mentor. Um, he's uh, Collaboratives can be, in terms of their decision-making process, they tend to be relatively cautious, um, but they can also be pragmatic. So they can make choices quickly when they need to, but they tend to prefer things that they've seen work before. So they don't tend to jump right in unless it's been sort of proven. Um, they want to know that this is not a, not a risky adventure. Um, they do love, you know, excitement in the, in the form of like maybe travel and new experiences, but they want to see in terms of making choices because of the fact that they care about the greater good. They want to make sure this isn't going to be something that's, you know, really out there or really different or really unusual. You know what I mean? Very much so. I, <laughs> yes, very, very, very much so. So we've got the expressive. We've got the collaborator. Yeah. What yeah. else is mm-hmm. out there? So, well, let's, you want to look at some of your other family members? We can look at what the whole dynamic is between your family, if that sounds fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, so tell me about, you've got, uh, you've got some kids? I do. I have two boys. Okay, perfect. So, and uh, you can answer for both at the same time, just to, to help us go through it. So, in general, you would say, as decision makers, where do they lie, slow or fast? So, Jay is very analytical, he is will do his research before he makes a decision. Okay. And the other one is fast. Okay, perfect. And so, um, uh, so, and what's the other one's name? We'll just call him C. We've got okay, J perfect. and C. C. J and C, perfect. So, and for C, and I know which one J is just from what you said. And C is, uh, let's just ask one last question on that. In general, would you say that he is uh, loving to to make things physically or to express himself in the world? Um, or express himself in the world. Okay. So I believe C is the same soul type as you, that he is also an expressive. So what that means you've got so far, you've got a collaborative in your family and you've got two expressives. And then your other son, who we'll call Jay, is what I would call a learning soul. So this is going to make a super interesting dynamic in your family. <laughs> So you've, you know, we could talk about it a little bit about what this might mean in terms of how this is going to gel for all of you guys. Okay. Well, first let's talk about the, the learner. What, what is yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. So learning souls are, um, they are, 
the most open-minded of any of the soul types, that they are part of their gift is that really of all of us, they are the best decision makers because of the fact that they are comfortable waiting in ambiguity until they get 95% certainty. So they're willing to stay open and to let, let things evolve and see, they kind of like, they if something, if it's really clear what the best choice is, they can make a decision right away. They can be pragmatic, a lot like the collaborative soul. But they will, if it's not clear, they will wait and watch the landscape to see what changes. And unlike all the other soul types, they're perfectly comfortable waiting in that ambiguity and they will stay open-minded. And this actually helps them to make better decisions. So the thing is with a learning soul is they may not, like they're not going to always tell you everything they're thinking along the way. They're going to hold back and they'll tell you when they're really sure (laughs) when they get to that 95% certainty point. And, uh, so, so they're really waiting for this higher degree of certainty and the downside. So the plus side is better, you know, better decision makers, um, and being able to stay in that ambiguity, to stay clear headed about things. But the downside is that because they wait, they can sometimes have opportunity pass them by is there may be things that they miss out on because of the fact that they're waiting for clarity. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And does it fit for, for Jay? Very much so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're drawn to all of the all of the types of activities that are that are really about learning and developing expertise about. Uh, so, for example, like technology, they might be really into coding or into music or into, you know, anything. It could be it could even be something like 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 astrology, something where you could just learn and learn and learn and learn. They love that kind of stuff. And it could be in any topic area, right? But it's something where, that gives them an endless ability to grow and learn and to develop increasing expertise. That's the kind of stuff they love to do. So you'll see a lot of learning souls in universities or in, like I said, you know, as engineers or things like that, things that require, um, you know, a lot of that sort of left-brained cognitive function. So it's that left-brain, right-brain thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same thing. They're really great with music as well, because music is a similar type of thought process. And again, gives you that ability to develop expertise. Yeah. Well, you're right. And he's a great musician. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have, I mean, it has been interesting there. It makes it more interesting because they're twins. And I always thought, you know, it. I, ne- I never would have wanted two of exactly the same thing. So yeah, I never yeah. had to worry about that. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, but it, but it does make it interesting and, and it's, it's interesting because there's more of a balance between my husband and, and Jay and myself and and C no more love, no more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But they understand each other better. It's easier. You know, if we're going to work out, if we're going to make, we're going to go on a vacation. So somebody's going to plan what we do and somebody's going to plan where we go eat. We'll yeah. always put, we'll always put my husband and Jay together. And <laughs> I mean, we always will because yeah. it's easier. That's exactly right. And that's because, so here's what's interesting is that your soul type, the expressive soul type is the opposite of the learning soul type. So in terms of your strengths and weaknesses, you guys balance each other out. 
And what that means is that, that, you know, that, and that doesn't mean that there's going to be conflict there, that, that there's, like I said, people will often marry their soul type of the opposite, their opposite soul type, but it does mean that you have really different patterns of thinking. So in terms of anytime you're working on a project or planning something, it's going to be way easier for you to work with C because you guys are going to work at the same pace. You're going to be able to decide things really quickly. You're not going to get distracted with planning. You're just going to be like, okay, this is the one pick done off we go. Right. Whereas whereas uh, uh, Jay and your husband may want to have they're going to want to do all their research. And for your husband, what that research is going to look like is he's going to want to go and read the reviews and find out what other people say and other people think. Whereas uh, whereas your son is going to be he's going to want to find really good first person data, like 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 uh, authentic research. Actually, like he's going to want to know the research. And then he wants to know how the research was done underneath it, like the process behind the research. He's wanting to going to want to go that extra level. So, but because they have a similar, a, a cautious approach, and they both have that high respect for uh, doing the research first, their their process is going to be a lot more symbiotic. That makes sense. Yeah, is that what you experience in living together? Yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. certainly it's changed. It's evolved. Have we? Have yeah. they? Have They've grown up and become more mature. Yeah, um, yeah. So we've got we've got three out of the seven. Let's talk yeah. about the other yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so the 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 first soul type is actually I I'm the first one. It's called optimizing, and the optimizer's role is in each one of these plays a role in the process of creation. And this is where it gets really interesting: is that each of us has our own role to play. And we all are important in terms of the overall process of making things happen in the world. The optimizer comes first and they are, they're all about um, uh, uh, taking something that doesn't exist yet. That's just a concept and physicalizing it onto the earth plane. So that's the beginning of the process. And they're extremely nonlinear thinkers. They go, they don't go one, two, three, four, they go AC to 12, right? They're all over the place. And their thinking process is sort of like an explosion. <laughs> and they uh, they don't like that initial part of the thought process that, that a lot of people will go through where they go through this kind of careful evaluation and comparing and evaluating this one to that one and looking at all the features and benefits. Optimizers don't really do that at all. They 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 have this inspired idea and they fall in love with that idea and they they are off and running immediately. They don't actually do a whole lot of research. The research that they do is they just will look to confirm that what they want to do is possible. So it's a very different thought process. You can see how different that is even from your own thought process, even though you're somewhat related to them in terms of your dynamic. But um, absolutely, but really yeah, yeah, really, really different thought process. So then we have yours, which is from the heart, right, which we talked about. Then we have the collaborative is next. And, and, and in terms of the process of creation, you come second, you come after this, this item has been, whatever it is, this idea has been physicalized. Then you come in and you help to express it. You help to define what it is. You help to tell people about it. You help to give it words and give it story and give it meaning. That's where the expressive energy comes in. Then comes along the collaborative energy, which is your husband, which takes this thing that has now been created and has now been expressed, and it helps to draw awareness and attention to it and bring community around it, right? And we talked about his thought process. Then next we have the coaching soul. And the coaching soul is all about what really motivates them is that one-to-one interaction. They love people, and they're motivated to work, work and connect with other people. And their thought process is much more cautious much more careful, 
and they spend a lot more time on the front end of every decision. So they will, uh, their real gift, the gift that they bring is the ability to see what's absolutely best in another person. So when they interact with another person, their, their intuitive gift is be able to perceive in that person their absolute best expression, who they can be. And then they mirror and reflect that back to the other person. So when you're working with a person who's a coaching soul, you see yourself through their eyes and you love what you see and you want to become that person. You want to become the way that they see you. So they are amazing people developers, people managers. Um, And their role in the process of creation is to draw in support right? They're the ones that's like, think about that plant is now, now been, it's breathing. It's, it's out there. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's starting to photosynthesize and this, that coaching energy helps it to draw water in from below, to draw that supportive energy in from below. So that's the first four. And the fifth one is learning soul. Your, your, uh, one of your sons is a learning soul and they have that neutral energy where they're able to, uh, to make really clear decisions, but their role in the process of creation is this uh, shifting from, from, uh, this process of this first aspect with this innovation process that we've just been through into an expansion process. And they help people move into the process of looking at what's been done so far and understanding what you should keep and what you should get rid of analyzing. They use, they have a really, really strong analytical mind. So they're able to think through and process. This is what should be kept. This is what should be gotten rid of. This is what could be changed. They can see all the gaps, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Mm -hmm. And then the next one in the process is our, uh, uh, the efficient soul and their role is to rise up to 35,000 feet and look down at the chessboard from above and understand they can see. So they'll start with that end goal in mind of this is where I want to go. And then they'll see them the clearest, most direct path to where they are now. So they are the strategic mind. So they come in and they help to say, okay, this is where we, this is where we should go. Everybody go this way. <laughs> That's their job. Wow. And, yeah. And we got one yeah. more. Yeah. One more is the, the, uh, experimenting soul and the experimenting soul is about creating momentum. So their process is really different from the others. Their whole process is, uh, is that they will, they have an intuitive gift is when they look at the data, they like data, but they'll look at it and they'll be able to glean what are the two or three pieces of information that really matter. And that's really an intuitive gift is they'll be able to sort through and say, this matters and this doesn't. So they'll look at the three pieces of data that matter. And from those, they will choose, uh, uh, like a, the most option, the most likely plan forward. They'll immediately say, okay, here's the three things that matter. This is the, the, the path I think is going to work the best. Let's go now. Let's move immediately. So they want to get into action, but they don't commit to it. What they do is they take plan B and they put it in their back pocket And then they are constantly evaluating as they go. So they don't actually commit the way the other soul types do. They stay in this process of experimentation, which makes them highly adaptive. You'll see them a lot in like first responders are often experimenting souls because they have to move on their feet and think on their feet really fast, right? They bring that momentum into into the experience. So that's the whole seven. That is so interesting. I'm so glad we got the opportunity to to learn about all seven because, you know, with just a couple of minutes left, you've, I'm sure people are, are trying to slot themselves in. And when when you were talking <laughs> about the efficient so, I'm thinking, yep. I mean, I yep. always go to the brain. That's the gamma waves. That's taking you to that super consciousness state, you know. And yeah, yeah, so we, yeah. We all, but it, but we all try to to fit ourselves in. But it's it's really helpful. And I just I think about the team that I work with, 
And yes. we certainly make decisions very, very differently. And I think yeah. that by uh, understanding how we process, it will be helpful for all of us. If someone wanted to find out more information about you, Anne, or if they wanted to learn more about what their soul type is, how could they do that? Yeah, I would invite them to come to my website, which is antucker.com. It's Anne with an E, A-N-N-E, and then T as T as in Tom, antucker.com. And there is a free quiz on the website where you can go through and find your own soul type on there. And you'll get a little report at the end, which will give you some cool information about it. Well, that's very kind of you to share. It's cold. It's bad weather here in Dallas. I can't think of a better way to spend my afternoon than <laughs> figuring out what my soul type is. And thank you so, so much for joining us today and giving me information that I'm going to apply in, in my workplace and see if I can't make my team be a bigger, better, stronger team. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, 